I'm really wanting to usher in a new wave of growing and succeeding as an entrepreneur that is about succeeding and prospering and abundance in every area of life. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, executive leadership coach, and author of the Be a Badass Six Tools to Uplevel Your Life. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you integrate who you really are with what you do. I call that living a badass life. Are you with me? Let's go. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today I have Elizabeth Cannon on the episode. She has an amazing approach to building a brand ethos for entrepreneurs as well as entrepreneurs and has helped redefine how to look at brand management across the company. She's been an entrepreneur for over a decade and a founder and CEO of FC Tech Group, whose core service provides custom intel to a short list of the world's most innovative companies. In her current work as a brand anthropologist, she has the honor of contributing to and leading special projects for some of the world's most influential brands. Now based in LA, she's devoted to helping fellow entrepreneurs get clarity they need to grow, thrive, and prosper. She also has her own podcast called The Enlightened Entrepreneur, which you should take a listen to. And really, I mean, when she and I get together, we just keep dialoguing on so many topics. But I think you're going to enjoy how to elevate your brand and find the alignment of who you are against what you do and how you express it after you listen to this conversation. As always, if you need anything, we love to hear your comments, feedback, and definitely connect in order for us to serve you better. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today I have Elizabeth Cannon, an amazing brand anthropologist that has launched her own business and is someone I had to share with all of you. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Kareen. <laughs> Where the way I love to start the show is to for you to share a bit about your journey on how you got to where you are today. Um, You could definitely share as much as you'd like. Uh, Generally is the focus on um, your career and just the obstacles maybe you have gone through in order to get to where you are. Oh my God, how much time do we have? I know. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much. So I am sitting here uh, in Marina Del Rey, but I'm really a New Yorker. Uh, which might be one of the reasons that we gravitated toward each other. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And I've been an entrepreneur for the past 10 years. And when I kind of began this journey, it was because I was in New York working at an agency. I had climbed as high as I could climb there. I had become a partner and was working with really phenomenal clients and just kind of felt like I was in this, I'll say corporate structure, but it wasn't very corporate because it was a creative agency in New York City. (laughs) So um, assume what you will. There was definitely the Mad Men bar, you know, in the CEO's office. And I really found myself at that point just kind of questioning, okay, like what, where do I go from here? the really traditional linear path would be, okay, I'm the head of business development um, for this agency. Let's see what other agencies I can be a head or a VP of business development or a partner in, or maybe I can create my own agency. And so as I kind of investigated that really linear path and had opportunities, I just felt like my mind could rationalize saying yes and accepting an opportunity, but my body couldn't get on board. Mm. It was like, I couldn't get excited to do it. And so it really left me feeling like, 
well, what is next? Because I'm not really willing to make a change that doesn't feel exciting to me. And everyone around me, it seemed, followed this very traditional path, climbing the ladder. It's kind of like, you know, you pick a lane and you go. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really indicative of how New York is in a lot of ways. Like there's so much possibility in New York, but it's almost as if the mindset follows the actual um, like skyline. It's like you pick a building and you climb up. It's yeah. like so, it's so vertical, right? Yeah. And you're just like growing in that way. And I felt like, I don't know that I want to grow in that way. I don't even really know what's next. And so I, would, I wrote a list. I can remember doing this where I said, okay, here are all of the, the skills that I have. Here are all of the curiosities and the interests and the passions that I have. And I looked at the list and I was like, none of this goes together. This isn't a job. (laughs) What the heck? Yeah. And so I did nothing about it because I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I stayed at the agency and um, as a partner, I just kind of, we were on the brink of being acquired. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to hang on for a, a little while. And I did that until I just really felt burnt out. And I created a passion project that was essentially a business blog. I talked a lot about uh, luxury brands and how they were facing just this really unknown terrain in navigating digital and how it was changing what was possible. It was changing what people expected. It was changing the consumer psyche. And so um, I really just commented on that and what I saw from my vantage point. And it grew really, really quickly. And that was so fun. Like It's so fun to start something out of just pure interest and then kind of have it catch fire. So that happened and like it grew to a point where I felt comfortable leaving the agency Mm -hmm. to pursue it full time. And that really marked the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey where um, as a brand anthropologist, I've you know really built a business in serving luxury brands. And I began with luxury brands. And so working with you know a lot of the, the biggest, most iconic brands in the world, and then also branched out from that industry to work with big tech companies like Google and Facebook and American Express and and really just understanding the role that a brand has in the business that it's in and also in the consumer's life. And that to me is just such fascinating territory. It's constantly like growing and evolving and shifting. And so helping brands navigate that to me is really amazing. And within that, I really found that from a personal standpoint, I was starting to... um, There was just so much richness for me in my life as a person that allowed... Like where... a applying branding and the principles that I was working with and teaching these big iconic luxury brands. It's like, well, hold on. Like if we apply them to personal brands for entrepreneurs who are so much closer to the driver's seat than a lot of, you know, teams or departments that corporations can be, like what would happen then? And what would happen if we applied branding principles like these to people's personal brands inside corporations to brand a department or to brand a specific leader so that they didn't feel imprisoned by the same linear traditional path, but instead could brand themselves based on their deeper purpose, what makes them come alive so that they could then leverage their corporate job, their department, their team as a springboard to really make the impact that they want to make at that job, but also like beyond. So that instead of it being this vertical pick a lane and go up, it's like busting all of that down and like the expansiveness of like, oh my gosh, like I thought I was in this box, but like I just kind of pushed that wall down and then I pushed that wall down and wow, like 
all of these other things are available to me too that like I just couldn't see before. And to me, like that's really the beauty and the potential and the power that sits in what a brand is. I think it's awesome because it's so needed um, at all levels to create that expansion you're talking about of how you communicate out, right? Like what the values are, what the environment's about, like how you make decisions, how you serve your clients. Like it's all branding. Like that's a whole branded structure to then create the inclusion of building up a team building up the right leadership group, building up the right clientele to continue to serve and not spread yourself so thin, which also happens you know, in a lot of firms as well. They always think that, oh, we got to change something, do something new, you know, as opposed to honing in on what's the most value to be added you know, for our clients and then what's the biggest value we can have for our team to be a part of it. You know, it's that internal brand reflected outside, right? Yeah. And it's like, I love what you're saying because brand, it's not this like compartmentalized separate entity of, of like, oh, that's just the face that you put on a business that makes Yeah. You- it's not just the label. It's not just a label. It really infiltrates every single touch point. So if you're the head of innovation at a company, like how, like, what is your brand? What does your brand of innovation stand for personally? How does that change how you conduct a meeting? How does that change how you deal with conflict when it arises? How does that change how you deal with failure? Like what are, like, what are you bringing to that that actually embodies your brand of innovation? Yeah. It's like the context of a brand. So in another context, like if you're um, a retail brand, right? The brand isn't just the ad and the models that you choose and where you choose to shoot it and like the art direction of it, right? And it's not just the product and how your clothes are designed. And it's not just the store experience and it's not just the sales associate and it's not just your Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's like the customer's experience throughout all of those and in between. Right. I think lately it feels like the in-between is actually what matters for sustainability. Mm. Because if you... Right? Like if you think about now how most brands or any company, let's just say anybody who has client engagement, which is all of us who are trying to make money out there, right? Like we all have this this need as uh, entrepreneurs, as business owners, as even just department heads and large corporations. Like your your goal is to sustain business and continue to attract engagement from the client base you you want to continue to work with. And if you don't think about the in-between times, right? So it's almost like the days of being the wizard behind the curtain is is no longer possible with how we are in the digital age. Um, and I think finding that integration of the brand when you're at your showman side, you know, like the front facing, like this is what we're all about, the pretty stuff, the high gloss, the you know, the the fashion show, let's say if it's in commerce, where it's really like this is us on point. You can't be, you know, like that all the time. But the in-between time, the in-between the shows, in between the meetings, the the uh, engagement when you're at a you know a networking event, whatever that looks like, every single interaction is a reflection of the brand. And I I love that part of your um title is anthropologist, you know, like it's it's the ability to bring together, like that's what anthropology is about, right? It's the study of grouping. It's the study of coming together and forming what represents you best, how you want to be represented, but the ability to tweak and pivot when needed, right? Under certain circumstances. Exactly. And I think in a way that is tethered to a deeper knowing of your customer as a person, right? Because like we can all sit here and we can say, this is what I want my brand to embody. And like, I would love for it to be X, Y, and Z and here are their brand pillars and like, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't really mean anything. And you know, 
it's been really interesting to work with luxury brands in this because you know many of them are are heritage brands and so when you ask them what they stand for usually they they rattle off words like oh well we are luxury we are chic we are italian like that's what we stand for and you're like what does that even mean yeah. it doesn't carry any weight any longer right mm-hmm. like Maybe there was a point when that really stood for something, but now it's like to say that you're luxury, you know, I have a private chauffeur accessible to me 24 seven. It's Uber. Like Mm -hmm. that's luxury, right? So like our world has changed so much that like when you claim something, number one, like the, the semantics that you use are so important because the semantics are kind of like the first front where people go, I get it. I don't get it. That really hits me to my core or that hits me in my head and I'm just thinking about it and it doesn't really sink in or yeah, I've heard that all before. Like, oh, we, we stand for craftsmanship. Yep. Great. Like, <laughs> so, so does coach. Like Louis Vuitton, you stand for craftsmanship. So does coach. Like, how do you both do that? Right. right? And like right. one bag is $2,000 and another bag is $300. Like, so it really is like, not just coming up with, here's what my brand stands for from a soapbox. It's going, here's what I envision. I want to understand what my customer, what their needs are, what their deepest desires, what their deepest fears, and then the role that my brand plays in that. And it's like when that connects, then you don't have to sell and convince because you're compelling. Like what you're doing has a magnetism on it that you can just compel instead of like, you know, push and promote. And, and it, it's it's about that continuous engagement, really. It's about, you know, knowing that, you know, companies and what they produce, it's its own organism, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it has its own life to it. And, and as people in the mix trying to make it happen, it's about how you breathe life into it at times, walk alongside your clients at times, and then just be there, you know, to show them a little something new every now and then. It's 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 with the digital age today and the way people engage with brands and how they shop and how they purchase services, work with people, you know, buy products. It, it has to have that alignment you're talking about. And I think it's really great that you are engaging in those conversations, especially coming from the agency world, because it needs to be shaken up a little bit too. Like what I get bothered with when there is a need for that service, because there's a high churn that has to go out in order to continue the engagement going on. Um, but to pause and and have people think about the full effect of why they're engaging services like that and also maybe allow that team to be a part of that journey, right? And not so much about the churn of work and get to burnout. Like I, Mm -hmm. there's so many people that had that vertical climb in agency life that it can't sustain. It just can't, you know, as much as they're high margins in, in that business, you know, it's just, a, it's just an interesting dynamic now to see how that's going to also evolve as well. Yeah. And like, it makes me think about carrying that through, right? So that churn of like cranking work out, cranking work yeah. out, like for the client for the sake of a constant stream of engagement with the mm-hmm. customer, right? right? It's like, okay, like following that through to the customer, it's like, there's so much noise out there. I can't tell, like, how many emails do you get? Like how many text messages, alerts, pings, this, that, like, it's so noisy. And what we all might not know we need, but I think really long for is the slowdown and like the deepening and the real person to person connection. Yes. Like, I don't want to keep doing what I'm like supposed to be doing. I want to do what I feel like doing right right now. Right. You know? And so like the incessant noise being churned out by brands or 
agencies. It's like, it, it's become part of just the status quo of how you operate as an advertiser or a marketer today. But at the same time, like, and there's value in that and it works to a degree, but there's also a shift that's taking place where people are really wanting to strip away the noise. I mean, people are going on tech detoxes, right? Yeah. That detox retreat from technology. Like people are actually doing that. You know, I have um, a five, almost five-year-old son and we're looking at schools for him. And one of the schools we went to look at is a Waldorf uh, school. And in their orientation, they talk about how so many of the students are actually the kids of big tech people, yeah. people who work for you know, the Googles and the Facebooks um, and the oracles of the world, because they're the ones that are seeing like, oh my gosh, this, this like incessant technology, I actually want to shield my child from it. And that's of course, part of like the Waldorf philosophy, but right. you know, I think we're all kind of coming to that slowly, gradually, like our phones now are telling us like, you've been spending too much time, you know, uh, on your phone online. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. hey, in that, where's the opportunity for a brand or a business or a person to breathe some space and some life? I love your wording into that and open it up and go, what can we do differently that would really be appreciated? Right. You know, that would really be memorable, that would really be in service to our customer. I think it's also about that connection, right? So one of our main human needs is connection. And that's what initially the cell phone created, right? And then they became these so-called smartphones that are making everybody less smart by, you know, focusing on it so much, you know, like there's there's that, like, it's almost like, I literally had the thought the other day where I was like, the amount of nonsense that I even just scroll through lightly. I don't hang out on these places very much. I, I do like a daily check-in on my social platforms and I've had to filter out the true noise. But even still, when I think about what did I just absorb today, it's like I need to, I need to make sure I'm plugging in those creative spaces like the Waldorf School provides for children which is that right side brain that's going to actually lead us all forward. Like if we are not hanging out in that creative space almost daily, then we are not of service to what our greatness is, you know, in, in mm. building up our businesses and servicing our teams and leveraging, you know, the what's next for our clients. So I think that slow down is so important and, and companies need to figure that out internally as well. You know, like I've yeah. worked and serviced a lot of tech companies where there are days where it's like no meeting days, you know, so that they're not just in noise and they actually can produce, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I love the aspect of aligning brand into everything that you do because it is an emotional connection when you're thinking about your brand voice that sometimes can help those in certain parts of the company, you know, stop and breathe. Be like, am I on brand? It's not necessarily have to be like, am I on point? Because you can deliver. (laughs) Like everyone knows how to deliver, right? Like that's how you earn your check. It's a matter of figuring out how can you align, you know, what you love with what you do, which is my whole motto of things. And figure out how does that actually benefit the company, benefit you know your clients, benefit the products going out there and figure out the space. So I know you're doing great things with the clients you work with. I'm curious, when now that you've been in this entrepreneurial stance yourself, running things, what are you personally focused on um, in your business today? And what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Hmm... I am really focusing right now on working with people, like people, whether they work for a big brand or not, or whether they're an entrepreneur and they're running their own show or not, but really people focused to develop and cultivate and discover what their personal brand is that is aligned to their deeper purpose 
and then working with them on an actual strategy and plan to apply that to their work, whether they're an entrepreneur. And that means applying it to the assets that they have and their sales process and how they hold that customer experience, or whether it's applying that to established brand and what that experience is like. So what what I really believe in is that brands today need to stand for more than what they sell. That sounds really nice. And what most brands, they'll be like, oh, we totally do because we're a fashion brand and we also sell sunglasses and we also have a restaurant and a coffee shop. And so we're lifestyle and we're opening a hotel. And so we're really lifestyle. And, you know, and it's like, no, you have to stand for something that people actually give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to know people more intimately than you might have had to know them in the past. And so as a, as people, as customers, like we're all building our own brand of me, whether you're an entrepreneur or a personal brand or not. Like I just going to the grocery store to buy dishwasher detergent, I have an array of choices. Yeah. And I believe some, not even as a conscious thought, but like I believe that whatever choice I make, because I have an abundance of choice, says something about me and my values. So even though no one will know which dishwasher detergent I choose, I know. And I want to spend my money in a way that aligns with who I am. Mm-hmm. And so me buying the seventh generation dishwasher detergent makes me feel like I made a decision. I cast a vote for health, for my family, for my body, for the planet, right? Yeah. And the company that I believe in, even though that has nothing, it's not the same as like the logo on a handbag and having everyone know what that is and what that stands for. And so, you know, the idea of branding today is not necessarily about putting a face or a label or an identity on a business to set you apart from the competition. The purpose of a brand is to help your customer become a better version of themselves through your brand. Right. And connect with your innovation. Right. Well, and to even like put, put some parameters to that innovation so that the innovation isn't like bright, shiny object innovation. Right. It's something that has substance and meaning to your customer. Yeah. So that drives the bottom line. Yeah, that sustainability is key too. Is it's the word that just came up for me, the way you just described that is when you can get to that core and also take people on a journey with you through it. I think that's also sometimes part of the brand execution. Is, yeah, it's like telling people why they should care about something. Well, and it's just how you just described like the choice, let's say, in the next generation products. It's because they have told their brand story um, over and over again as to why they produce their products that way. And then they also made sure that when it is on the shelf, it actually looks clean and you know environmentally friendly. And like they, they translate it into everything they do. Um, which also emotes something into to want to purchase it to align it with your values, right? Like so, mm-hmm. but it does take a lot of thought and methodology, and methodology behind it. Um, but it's that consistency, you know. What do you? What would you do for a client or a company that maybe got to a point where they failed at their execution on the brand they thought they were? Right. And it was, it was tripped up in the market. Like, how have you ever helped clients recover from that? Or, you know, what tips would you give folks who may be questioning that they've been going the wrong direction now after listening to this conversation and how to reset? I would, it depends on the company and the size of the company, what I would advise. So I'm working with a big corporate brand right now. And they found that while they believe they stand for XYZ, it's so not the case, right? So they're marketing to the customer they wish they had, 
but the customer who's actually buying it is like totally different, right? Mm -hmm. And that actually happens a lot in aspirational marketing, right? You're marketing to what that customer wants to become. And that's when it works. But when you're marketing to an aspirational version that doesn't connect with what the customer that's buying it wants, Mm -hmm. like it's a miss, right? Yeah. And so the choice is to like decide, okay, we actually want to learn the customer we already have, who's already spending money with us. We want to learn about them in more detail and understand why they're buying us, what they want, what they need, what they love, what they fear, what they what keeps them up at night. We want to know them, right? Yeah. And then out of that, say, okay, now that we understand this and we know what, what business we're in, where's the bridge between yeah. that? And that might be just this like pivot, this like boop, pivot mm-hmm. of their brand. Positioning. And so that's the strategy that like I would recommend the most because you're harnessing the customer you already have instead of saying, no, we're going to hold strong to this idea and try to go get an all new customer. Like that's way harder and your bottom line is really going to suffer for longer to do that. And it's a gamble. Yeah. So it, it kind of depends. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, it like what I work with entrepreneurs on is really reconnecting to their own purpose. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you could say, I'm going to be in this for the long road. And this is just what I'm about. Or you could say, I'm going to be in this for two years and then I'm going to sell the company. And here's my exit strategy and blah, blah, blah. In either case, whatever you have in planned, like it never works that way. It always takes so much more, so much more time, so much more money, so much more energy than you thought it was going to take. And so if you're not working in a way that's aligned to your purpose, then when it takes more time, money, and energy, you burn out or you get really frustrated or you get really resentful or what happens is that everything starts to suffer. Everything in your life starts to become toxic because of that. Your relationships, your self-care, your health, your all of these things. Whereas if you tether your business to your purpose, then you're like, okay, this is taking longer, but this is why I'm doing it. And it gives you almost like a higher octane of fuel to keep going for longer. And then if you decide later down the road to sell the company or to change the company or whatever, instead of it being a hard left turn, it becomes a, like just an evolution of who you've already been all along. So it makes sense. So it's a much easier path to grow into. Whereas what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like they, they get to a point, they burn out, they've lost their purpose. They're like, oh my God, I started a company to be free, but now I'm enslaved to it. Mm-hmm. And like, what am I going to do next? And the temptation is to pull the escape hatch and like, I'm going to sell the company or blow it up. And then the fear comes in of, oh my God, well, what am I going to do next? Because I don't know who I am without this company. My identity is so tied to this company even though my purpose was absent or I lost it along the way. And then it becomes almost paralyzing to, to take the next step forward because you're, you just feel like a failure. Whereas if you're working from a place of purpose the whole time, then you can see clearly the business asset that you're building and you can decide from a business stand, standpoint, do I sell it? Do I continue? Do I evolve it? Or do I break off and start doing something new, but it feels gradual. It doesn't feel like a failure. Yeah. I think it's, it's great to dialogue on because when you are aligned with what your purpose is, it is, it's the strongest foundation you can have when change occurs, you know, because it becomes so much easier than to choose that direction yeah. like you're talking about and and i also think it's also it, it is something that needs 
to be clear, especially when you're dealing with partnerships or deciding to bring in another senior person or you're going through scaling and expansion. And when that purpose gets lost or it can, or you don't have the united um, purpose, I call it value system, you know, of the organization aligned with even the, the, the partners that start running it, then also you have those reactions that, that you spoke about where it's like illness shows up and regret and anger and frustration and, you know, shortness, you know, like short uh, verbal mm-hmm. activities <laughs> go back between folks. So it's really great to... I, le- I love bringing up tactics when obstacles occur because it is something that everyone goes through as individuals in our own life, through our own growth spurts. We have our own version control going on. It's the same um, when you're business, but now you have more players in the mix, right? And it's not just about how you show up. That's the, the primary. You know, you get that right, it's a little easier than figuring out the communication with everyone else, especially your clients understanding their demands and then figuring out how you lead your people, your team, you know, to service those needs, mm-hmm. that ecosystem, you know, it's, it's a delicate one and it shouldn't be taken lightly. And I think if to focus it with, with um, almost like the wrapping around it all, calling it the brand of the business, I think is really smart um, to show that it is, it's an eco, ecosystem that plays on all levels, you know, and yeah. having the support like you and the services you provide you know, is really great because then someone is able to dialogue and get the solutions and strategies to push forward, you know, and whatever is aligned with their purpose. Yeah. And, you know, people like to think of brand as just like this kind of esoteric, fluffy thing that's just like, you know, part of marketing. And really, it's so much more concrete than that. And it can be so much more practical. Um, and that's where the power and the potent, the potency in, in a brand is. It's like, okay, if like, what does your brand stand for? And how does that mean you communicate with people? Right? Like, how do you, how are you in integrity to your brand and what you stand for when you deal with some sort of a conflict that comes up? How do you deal with it in a contract? How do you deal with it in email correspondence? How do you deal with it when someone backs out? How do you, right? It's like, it's so nuanced and it's really like brand is in all of that. And it doesn't just have to be the brand that you work for. It can be your, your brand, like you, what you stand for. And it's like, if I stand for my word is gold and that's part of my brand, then like, what does that mean for me when I sign a new client? What does that mean for the process of signing a new client? What does that mean when the contract's been signed and then something comes up that was unanticipated later, right? It's like all of these things are, are there. Yeah. And, it, and it's the activities around it all that, that create that sustainability, which is, which is so great that you're creating that dialogue, uh, but also the support around it. You know, it's exci- it's why I'm excited that you know we're working together on on the the training and the mastermind of such that I am kicking off next year. But I know, I, I, I know because it's not just for entrepreneurs. Like entrepreneurs can totally benefit from understanding this as well because you are an integral part of how your business runs. You know, yeah. and um, and C-suite folks need to get better at this in order to create more people to follow them in their organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just going to be really fun to integrate what I'm good at, which is the um, how to get shit done <laughs> side of things. Like that's my mastery and how to lead it uh, with the brand uh, ethos of sorts of you know, how to move forward together and, and create that expansion with inclusion that's required in, in any business structure, which is great. Mm-hmm. I want to be conscious of your time and also make sure we touch on a, on a few other points. I know that you yourself have a podcast called The Enlightened Entrepreneur and curious how you decided to come together and launch that and, and you know, who that's for. 
Yeah. So I decided to launch it because it felt fun. And because in my entrepreneurial journey, uh, like I really, like I said, like I started my company because I wanted this like freedom and I wanted to create and build my own thing. And that was really the energy that it began with. And then along the way, it grew and it was successful by all external measures. And so I was like, oh, this is working. I'm growing. I'm doing it. But my experience on a day-to-day basis of being an entrepreneur felt like I was in a pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And being in a pressure cooker, I think it has become really common in the realms of achievement and success, especially in New York, right? Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to be in a pressure cooker because of the corporate culture you're in or the boss that you have or the team. And it's a whole different thing to be in a pressure cooker that you designed for yourself. And so that was really sad and startling because I didn't know what to do about it. And you know, where I started this company to be, to have freedom, what I built was a pressure cooker that I felt trapped by. And so I was a slave to my company instead of being free because I was an entrepreneur. Over the course of probably a year or two, I really like did so much inner work and excavation that has allowed me to like take all of this work that I've done in branding and corporate world and really say, okay, how does this get applied when you're an individual, when you're a person, whether you're an intrapreneur or an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur dabbling in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I really invested heavily in terms of time and money and energy in coaches and all of these different modalities and learning and taking the time to really like dive into this. And it's what led me to have a day-to-day experience of being a business owner that was totally transformed. So even though my life on the outside looked the same, like still a wife, still a mother, still a business owner, like same, my experience of every day was totally different because I worked to get myself out of the pressure cooker. And so the podcast was really a way for me to share so much of like the mistakes, the struggles, the hardships, the tools, the tactics, the teachers that I experienced along the way. And like the revelations that came out of that, that, um, because I just, for me, entrepreneurship is such a beautiful gift and it's such a blessing especially as a mother, to be able to run your own show and still have the agency over your life to show up for yourself, for your kids, for your family. I think, you know, I'm such a champion of entrepreneurship and I'm such a champion of doing work that makes you come alive in your life. And so I wanted other entrepreneurs to have access to the thoughts, the information, the ideas, the pain that I experienced so that like, if I had to spend however many years in the pressure cooker, maybe someone else could spend like a fraction of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I, you know, and for those who haven't listened to it yet, the, the tools, the tips, the dialogue, the ability to just even connect with someone else going through it is, is really great you know, from, from what you have done on the podcast so far. And it's really fun to see the evolution as well, you know, like navigating the space of podcasting and how that also represents a brand, like your brand, my brand, etc. It's, it's just a really fun way. Like I completely enjoy the conversations and also felt like I wanted to find another platform to dialogue as opposed to just keep speaking out, you know, like... Sometimes on the social platforms, when you're trying to engage your audience, it's just like it's one directional sometimes it feels like. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can create engagement that way, but I wanted to find another way to add value and share conversations like this, you know, as well. So I think it's great that you're putting yourself out there like that. Thank you. You too. Thanks. And 
in a lot of ways, like on social, it's so easy to fall down a rabbit hole and you're like, click, 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 where am I now? Right. And so there's like um, a frenetic uh, energy to being like to scrolling on Instagram, for example, versus if you're dialed in and listening to a podcast, you're like, it feels like devoted time and attention. Yeah. So there's an intentional intentionality. Is that a word? I don't know. Sure. Why not? Um, there's intention behind that time. So yeah. it just feels more human to me. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me, I love the, I love the uh, interviews in that the connection is just so awesome. And you always learn something new about somebody, but mostly mm-hmm. I think about the listeners and how they are engaged in the conversation as well. You know, we're, we're, you bring new thought and also show that you're not alone in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's yeah. my number one lately. Um, part of the reason why I, I joined the masterminds, like that where we've met and also running masterminds, which I know you're about to kick one off too next year as well. It's like, it's to really make you feel like you're not alone in it, but also leverage the greatness of others and try to find deeper connection, you know, with that and and with that intention. So tell us a little bit about the mastermind you hope to kick off next year. So I'm kicking off an enlightened entrepreneur mastermind. It's going to run March through the end of the year. So through the end of December, and it is specifically for uh, women entrepreneurs who are really wanting to grow their business. Um, they've hit the six-figure mark. They're on their way to multiple six figures, but they want to grow in a way that is not the harder, faster, more, work hard, play hard model that is so like out there. Like that's the model of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and so really the focus is on the tools, the tactics, the branding, the money mindset, and the sales, the sales process and building a sales process that really fosters deeper relationships so that you're not playing the harder, faster, more game to grow your company. It's like you're growing in prosperity in a way that is totally in integrity to the lifestyle you want to be living so that you're not giving up the things you value the most. So that's that's what I'm really excited to do because I don't see it modeled. And right, the, the models that we have of successful entrepreneurs are really in the camp of, and I, and you know, I, I did get divorced because I spent too much time with my company and I did miss out on raising my child a lot in those early years, but now I sold my company for X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that might be the path for some people, but I'm really wanting to usher in a new wave of growing and succeeding as an entrepreneur that is about succeeding and prospering and abundance in every area of life. Yeah, a sustainable way. Like it, it's foundational it's sustainable. And then it's just like a a continuous toolkit to leverage in order to literally build that aligned life that you're, why you're, why you're trying to work so hard. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be, I, and you know, the other terminology I can't stand is the work-life balance stuff. It is such bullshit because it's about integration. I I call it work-life integration. And the, the only thing that integrates you between the two is who you are and how you choose to show up in it. And if you can find the integration points of what works best for you to feel your best, then that's what life is all about. Because we're all going to work hard, right? Like we're all going to put the effort in when we need to. It just doesn't have to be so challenging to get it done. Yeah, <laughs> right? it doesn't have- feel like you're pushing a boulder up a mountain. Yeah, not at uh, not at all times, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's <laughs> maybe now and again when it's that big push to to launch something new, sometimes it feels that way. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have to sustain in that boulder pushing for long cuz it can't. You know, the body can only take so much too and the mind will go through burnout as well. And the suffering of relationships is the worst part 
you know, mm-hmm. when you're in a, in a dysfunctional climb, you know, yeah. as it is. This is beautiful. I, you know, so appreciate your time, Elizabeth, as always, our connections, we can talk for hours. I would love for you to just tell folks how they can connect with you and where they should find you to learn more. Sure. ElizabethCannon.com. My last name is spelled C-A-N-O-N, like the camera, though no relation. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, or, I know, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not an heiress. Or ElizabethCannon underscore on Instagram. Before we close out today's conversation, one question I always like to ask. So what, how do you define what a badass is? It's changed for me in a lot of ways. And I'm really happy about that. And for me, what a badass is now is someone who is so clean and clear in their awareness of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing, that they can speak from a place of power and boundaries, but power in a way that's not like a dominance. It's more like a generative power, a collective power. And so it's just like how they, like, for me, I just kind of like, this is just how I roll. Like, this is how I roll. I'm clean. I'm clear. I'm curious. I'm inquisitive. And that doesn't mean I'm all knowing. Like, there's so much I don't know. And I love asking questions. Really, like, stepping into that and claiming that and getting in business and getting ahead of that so that I'm setting really clear expectations at the beginning. And that to me feels so badass to, like, lovingly hold people accountable and in boundaries that I'm setting. Yeah. I don't normally add my own two cents at the end of someone's definition of it, but I will in this case because it came up. But I, I love that because it made me think about how excited I get when someone says, no, that's not for me. Mm. I mean, to know what works for you and what able to that that literally just came to mind. It's knowing the boundaries and not being, you know, afraid to let people know that, you know, that would be crossing a boundary for me. That's not for me. Like, oh, I love when I see people do that. I get so excited. I'm like, great. No problem. Let's move on. You know, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And again, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Corrine. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.